Barrelham Sports. Hello again and welcome to Barrelham Sport Podcasting. This is Tony Rice and everybody knows that I'm a big lover of sport. That's why I'm very lucky to do what I do. And I think you're probably aware I'm a bit of a fan of Rugby Union. Lifetime paid up member of the front row union, albeit these days just an armchair pundit. So I've got to tell you, I am super stoked today to be joined by two members of the Verulaniums Rugby Club, one of the core clubs here in and around St. Albans and Hertfordshire. It's a pleasure and a joy to welcome to Verum Sports Podcasting, Jack Hegarty and Joe Breeze. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Afternoon, Tony. Pleasure, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us on. Uh, very excited to be chatting uh, away about rugby, obviously. We're two huge fans, two players, uh, exceptional players, I have to add. Hey, I of like course. that. I like that. Seriously. <laughs> that's, that could come right out of the Austin Healy school of uh, <laughs> humility there. Loving it. Loving the energy. But no, in all seriousness, it is great to have you both here. Uh, I'm excited to unpack a little bit of the recently finished Six Nations. But of course, it's even more important now to look forwards because it has been a challenging period for us all particularly, I think, uh, fans of sport. But I am stoked to learn that grassroots rugby is returning and you guys at the Vs are bouncing back. So just to give us the context, please, uh, Joe, if you could, give us the insight into the Verulanium Rugby Club and where you are applying your trade in the league context this season. Yeah, sure. So um, we're playing currently in um, Hearts Middlesex 1 um, league. Um, where we were last season. Um, unfortunately, obviously, last season got uh, curtailed a little bit um, due to our, our friend, um, COVID. Um, but yeah, um, so we sort of stopped playing about a year ago now, um, but we managed to return to training um, over last summer. Um, so we're building, really looking forward to this season. Um, it looked as though we were going to get some games in before Christmas, mm-hmm. but then everything went a bit south again. Um, but uh, good news is now we're back training. Um, we've been back for we've, we've been back for three weeks now. I think uh, we're going into our fourth week. Nice, um, nice. which is fantastic. Um, looking to build um, now. Well, focusing towards um, next season because that's when um, competitive rugby is going to begin. So we've got a, a, a long way, lo- lo- a lot of time to build, um, which is fantastic because we're in um, like a, good, a good building phase at the moment. We've got a lot of um, younger players coming through, um, Jack being one of them. It's um, yeah, second or third season now? Third season? In the uh, season this will be now? my second season, this season yeah. coming up. Yeah. Um, so, so guys, are... just uh, before we kind of uh, circle back, do a bit of Six Nations review, uh, just give mm-hmm. us a bit of a context of yourselves. Um, Jack, second season, looking to build, looking to grow with the Vs. What position do you play? Uh, so I'm fly half for V's and yeah, I've been associated with V's since under nines, come all nice. the way through age grades and then graduated to the senior team in 2019. That's absolutely fantastic. And we'll touch upon the family orientated aspect of the V's in just a little moment. But great to see there that you've literally come up through the V's infrastructure. That's great. Joe, you look to me like you're also a member of the back division. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> I am, and you might you might have guessed it from my uh, the humility at the beginning. I'm the scrum half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are so, famed, aren't they, scrum halves, for their shy and retiring nature? So fantastic. You anyway, know, look, it's great to have both here. Quicker than we can run away from it sometimes. Um, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, I've not I've not packed down in many a moon, but I remember having to get out of a, a few scrapes, one or two of the scrum halves I played with over the years. But there we go. <laughs> memory now but it's great that the future here is with us and that the v's return but let's just go back in time just a few short weeks six nations has just finished want to unpack it with you guys briefly um a thrilling six nations i know i'm a sports broadcaster prone to hyperbole but i think there was some spectacular rugby on display a great advert for our great sports jack mm-hmm. quickly coming back to you your overarching memories of this recent six nations uh, instantiation just every fixture is just so predictable. Like everyone would make their hedges and bets, but each game as they came by, you couldn't call what the result would be. And it's just so like toe to toe to the very last yeah. minute. It's just class rugby to watch. As I say, for me, a, a great advert for our great sports. Um, Wales champs. Now I tell you what, um, not many pundits would have predicted that coming into the Six Nations. I think there was actually an awful lot of pressure on Wayne Pivik's men. I think Pivik had lost four of the previous nine fixtures before the campaign. Um, there are those who would say they got the rub of the green. However, they capitalised, didn't they, Joe? Great effort by Wales. Yeah, um, I, I didn't mention this to you before I came on, but I do have Welsh heritage, so it wasn't a surprise to us Welsh. That's um, great. <laughs> no wonder they, um, no wonder so cocksure. I love it. Loving life at the moment, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was a fantastic campaign from Wales and I think obviously um, coming into the tournament they hadn't had the best run um, obviously they lost um, Warren Gatland as coach and Pivak's come in and he's um, you know tried to emphasise the way he wants to play yep. um, I think they're really bolstered by the fact Gethin Jenkins came in um, as defence coach as well um, and it really like everything has just started to click for Wales mm-hmm. recently um, there's fantastic leadership obviously from Alan Wynne-Jones um, the evergreen Alan Wynne-Jones, goodness me. <laughs> Absolutely amazing player. And, well, George North at 13, it worked for once. Yes. <laughs> I think I was, uh, when I first saw the team sheet go up and North was listed at 13, I was like, you've done this before. Yes. It, it, it doesn't work. Um, but George North, he had an outstanding tournament. Um, and it was a seminal one for him, wasn't it? Claiming that 100th cap. Uh, he just looked exactly. like a very mature player, very comfortable in his own skin, very aware of his own game. Yeah, definitely. Um, his experience is really starting to show, um, I think. And, you know, when he's on form and when he's playing, he's exceptional. And I think almost moving him from the wing to 13 took a little bit of pressure off him mm. to score those tries. Um, and then it, it gave the chance for, you know, Lewis Rees-Samet, we could probably talk about him uh, <laughs> for, for days, but he really lived up this tournament. And, Truly did. You know, set it on fire. And yeah, I, I think it's all starting to click at the moment for Wales. And they're just pure opportunists, aren't they? You, you, give, you give Wales an inch, they're, they're, take, they're taking a yard. Um, yeah. And, and again, a great, great effort. As I say, champs as they were, Alan Wynne-Jones was denied an historic fifth slam obviously in that thrilling last game against the French um but my word what a campaigner what a warrior um Joe you brought up the poster boy of the Six Nations that star winger 
Lewis Rees Summit. Four tries in the tournament. He's got five in nine appearances. Uh, he really is a sparkling star. But Jack, your thoughts on Wales? Again, credit to them. Champs, you can't deny it. Oh, no, definitely not. They, they took every opportunity. And it feels like this year they've really started to build on something after a rough first year of Wayne Pivak establishing himself. He feels like all the pieces start to come together now. And I really like Stephen Jones, the former Welsh fly half, as the attack yes. coach. He's really starting to like pull some strings and innovate a bit. And that's Do you know what that fascinates Wales me, though? Because my memories and recollections of Stephen Jones as a fly half was almost quite a conservative player. Uh, almost a Rob Andrew-esque performer. But you're dead right, Jack. Whatever he's brought to the table as a coach seems to have cultivated and freed up some of these sparkling, dynamic talents that the Welsh possess. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced that from your own coaches. Maybe they uh, bring different ideas and innovations from what they perhaps possessed as players. Yeah, I definitely feel like when former players become coaches, they can build on like their own playing experience and it adds to like, another layer of coaching without having that former playing experience and I really feel that Stephen Jones and Geffen Jenkins have really taken that into the world's um, concept. Yeah absolutely and again credit to the Welsh. Um, I actually don't feel bad saying that I've got no associations with Wales Joe but I will say in a, six, uh, in a, a Lions year and for the overall health of European rugby, it's very important that there is a competitive Welsh side who kind of force everybody else to raise the game. But coming back, one team that I am massively affiliated with is England. Great performance against France, brought up memories from in my head of the awesome performance they put in, in against New Zealand in a World Cup semi-final. But it seems to me at the moment, this is an England side going backwards, not forwards. This was their equal worst ever uh, finish in the Six Nations, uh, finishing in fifth. You have to go back to the year 1976. I don't think any of us were born then for when <laughs> England last lost to all three of the home nations. Of course, that three home nations are Wales, Scotland and Ireland. 1976 was the last time England lost to all three home nations in one season. Joe, your thoughts and your takeaways from what was a very more down than up year for England? Well, it was undeniably, it was a very, you know, dis disappointing campaign. And I think expectation is always really high as an England supporter. You know, you, you expect best. You go into Six Nations expecting the Grand Slam. Finished fifth. We finished fifth in 2018. Yes. Reached the World Cup final in 2019. Yep. Eddie Jones was the man who lifted England out of that slump in 2018. He did, and, and if I remember, he almost took us to but one game away from beating the all-time record of consecutive wins. So certainly, it was far too early to push the panic button. But what concerns mm. me is several things. Number one, lack of discipline. Um, England conceded at 67 penalties. That's level with Italy in the tournament. Mm. And often... That lack of discipline is a reflection of culture from upon high. So that's a big concern for me. And also another concern for me in my head is that it's not as if England haven't had this uh, levelled at them in recent years, but they've kind of been getting away with it, getting wins. But this tournament, I think, has exposed some of the issues which I think have been long-standing. I would argue since last World Cup final loss. 
Yeah, uh, I, I think, um, you know, the, there are cracks that are beginning to show and the penalty count, um, you know, I, I think it alludes to a lot of players just not, not on their game, not being able to keep up. And I, I think a lot, a lot of this really does come from Saracens as well. Yes, um, that, that's a good point. If, if you look at the team that started the World Cup final, six players are Saracens players. Yeah. And then they're, they're not match fit. They're not playing. One of which is your captain. Yep. Another, Mario Toje, arguably your best player in the world at the moment. And they're not firing. And I think that's bringing down the, you know, obviously the whole team. And mm. um, so that's, that's such a large part. And I don't want to speculate too much about, sure. um, you know, the, the internal politics of the England team. But I think if you're a Saracens player, I don't know if you would have any animosity towards your fellow players or whether there would be that dressing room like discord because mm. they were effectively witch hunted out of the premiership yeah um, of course uh, long long <laughs> lots i'm going to draw a line of the box there because pandora's box has been exploded yeah. many times yeah but we, 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 won't, we won't go any further but i, I think that's had like um, quite an impact um i think jack's got a few um more points in england as well yeah jack i'd love to bring you back in here uh, for me always i'm going to default to a pint half full kind of a guy and uh, you know i think again there were positives itoji referenced although conceded 12 penalties the most in the tournament uh, as reminders as in that french performance of his world class pedigree um again anthony watson four tries in the tournament look hungry busy for work but jack your thoughts your impressions your takeaways from england's well, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a, almost like a, a bittersweet tournament for England because like they know the capacity they have of the squad. Like the majority of it is still retained from their World Cup final team, but it almost feels like there's just a few things which is just missing. Like it's mm. and it's hard to put a finger on. And this recent performance in Sicilian, I think it can almost help them in the long run. It can let them take a step back and look at where they need to pick these things up because we all know what they can do. Yes. But it just seemed to be just a few percent off, and that that few percent is everything in professional sport. I said this much. I'm going to um, make a bold claim here, and I don't know what you guys take on it. And Joe, I think you made a really good point with regards Saracens generally, and obviously that leap from no rugby really right up to international level. I mean, that's just a staggering uh, step. And obviously I think a very real reflection in what was a, at best a mediocre campaign for England. Uh, but I think Itoji should be England captain. Uh, I think he is the best player we have. And I think in much the same way that say, for instance, Richie McCaw uh, was a magician at getting into the referee's ear and kind of getting him on side and, himself playing fast and loose with the offside. I think if Itoji was given the similar responsibility, we may yield similar results. Just thoughts on that little theory, Joe? I think, you know, it's, it's a very, very valid point. I think Itoji is definitely, definitely captain material. Um, you know, he's still young, though. If you look at, um, like, the age of Alan Wynne-Jones um, and ha how long Locke's careers can be, yep. I, I, Itoji, he's amazing as he is. He's still developing, and I wouldn't want his development to stop because he then has the additional responsibility as captain. I think for now it's still like Itoji, go out, be your mm -hmm. absolute nuisance mm -hmm. of yourself. Just keep keep doing what you're doing, keep improving, and when he, you know, when the time comes, 
I, I think it'd be very, very hard to argue against, you know, it's Itoje um, ascending to captain um, once Farrell's, yeah, moved, moved on. But moving things on now, again, what a thrilling Six Nations it was. And my tip for the next Rugby World Cup in France is France. Uh, so much of this team has got that pedigree coming through at under-19, under-21 uh, uh, champions. So much of that team has now got that habit of winning. They didn't win this year's tournament, of course, uh, finishing in third. Um, but, oh, excuse me, uh, in second. But my word, in DuPont, maybe the world's best player at the moment. With uh, Galtier and, of course, a man you'd know very well and respect massively, I'm sure, Joe, um, Sean Edwards at the helm. I think perhaps the best combination of coaching in world rugby they are as i say my tips for france 2023 but for the here and the now joe your takeaways from france and the six nations affair yeah i think france have developed incredibly well over the last few years and if they continue on this trajectory you know they're definitely going to be one of the top three contenders um, for the title especially as they're playing in france and you all know what, yep. what french crowd is like that's going to be intimidating it's going to be hard to play against They've got world-class all over the field, like DuPont, um, Untamak. Um, I'm sure Jack's got a few comments as a fly half watching him. Yeah. And like Teddy Toma, um, Olivon, um, Marchand, I think, in the front row had an yep, absolutely yep. outstanding tournament. Um, but yeah, and th- they seem to have like kind of ironed out what's held France back in the last few years. And that is like the French indiscipline and ability to implode. Um, what can I say? I don't believe in coincidence. And for me, it's not a coincidence at all that that process, that ironing out, uh, has coincided with Sean Edwards, uh, his role there and his defensive um, stewardship. But yeah, just coming back to that great name, Untamak, again, from a great family pedigree. Jack, as a fly half, what have you noticed? What would you like to take into your game from what Untamak brings to the table? Oh, but, I mean, where do I start? That's, that's a great question. But he, he just seems to be so, like, calm on the pitch. Like, you, you think of professional sport, you have to be one step ahead of everything. But he just seems so like, level-headed and balanced mm-hmm. in his play. And it's crazy that we're only talking about Intermac and there's such a wealth of depth, not, not just in the fly half, but in every position in France at the moment. It's just a crazy thought. But, I mean, isn't that the case? Because if you guys can remember, uh, pre the Six Nations, uh, in the kind of autumn internationals, uh, England were taken to the wire and actually required extra time to beat a France side that, due to political reasons, were shorn of 25 starters. I think in that game, back in the autumn, England's overall cap count was into the 300s. I think the French's cap count was 85. So it just proves to us all, doesn't it, that the strength in depth that France have right now is quite frightening. It's just, it's alarming. Yeah. When you, when you've you got, to, um, oh, sorry, Jack, you go. Uh, yeah, sorry, just one more thing. If all you have to do is just look at the, the domestic French teams in the yeah. European Challenge Cup, you've got three French teams in the semi-finals. And in the past 10 years, you know, it's, kind of just been the normal to have maybe one French team mm-hmm. pushed to the semis and finals but now it's really showing how strong they are. Joe your final thoughts on French uh, rugby right now and uh, the upward trend that they seem to be taking? It's an exciting time to be a fan of France that's for sure and th- this trajectory is, is outstanding. Players like Dupont Players like Vakatawa didn't didn't even mention him. 
um, <laughs> likes that. If if they keep playing the way they are playing, there are going to be fireworks in Paris. Um, and yeah, and I, I think it's great to see them come back because quite um, often over the, like the last few years, France have been a you know. Not not an easy win, but you kind of expect to beat them, and yeah. they have been a bit written off. And for for the sake of you know the great sport like that we love, and I think you touched on at the beginning and the competitiveness of Six Nations, it helps to have that French that French flair. It, it it's just so exciting to watch. Je ne sais quoi, c'est bon. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving things on. Uh, what a fascinating tournament. And Jack, I think you made a really good point about just how nip and tuck it was, how it was almost impossible to predict. And Scotland, I feel, kind of embody that. Two historic away wins. First victory at Twickenham since 1983. First victory in Paris since 1999. And then sandwiched in the middle with three narrow defeats up at Moorfield. But again, talking trending upwards, liking Gregor Townsend and what he's trying to bring to the table. Massively impressed with Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg, two, I'm sure, dead certs for Lions jerseys. But overall, this is a Scotland team that I think are trending upwards. And case in point, not just those two Lions future stars, um, also the um, tournament's top try scorer in Van der Muir. And uh, I also the player of the tournament in a guy that I ride being a little bit vertically challenged, um, the pocket dynamo um, that is Hamish Russell. So, yeah, just Jack, your thoughts on Scotland's campaign. Uh, I think Scotland just plays such passion. And I always feel like people almost, they keep Scotland a, a peg down from the other team. I'm not sure why, but I feel like in this um, tournament, they really showed how much they've come along in game management. Like before, before this stint, I thought Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend had, had a slightly weaker relationship and yes. they quite, weren't quite on the same page. A bit combustible, but it feels like, wasn't it? Yeah, but it feels like Stuart Hogg becoming captain now and Finn Russell, they've just become like stellar at game management. Now, how crucial is that from a Lions perspective? Because the overall uh, perspective, if you listen to the experts on Finn Russell, was that he has this almost French-esque elan and this wonderful imagination, uh, passing array of skills and, of course, those wonderful vision uh, uh, kicks and flicks that he uh, brings to the table. But that key phrase, Jack, game management, is crucial to his maturation. Did you see a more mature Finn Russell in this tournament? Oh yes, definitely. Like his his range of kicking was well balanced, and it was it was targeting what was in front of him. It wasn't it wasn't forced or trying to you know play a bit too much. He like we've seen with Finn Russell with his amazing passing that occasionally he does throw the the odd intercept. But yeah, it was a lot more controlled from him in this tournament, I'd say. And Joe, bringing you back, I mentioned uh, Hamish Watson, uh, pocket dynamo, player of the tournament. And again, one who perhaps has played himself into Lions contention. I'm sure as a scrum half, uh, you would love to be protected by that stocky fellow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it makes your job so much easier as a nine when you've got a back row, um, you know, that, that has class. Um, Hamish Watson, like the work he got through in that tournament was fantastic and like he's such a threat, like on the ball as well. Like he can carry, smash holes in defences. 
great at the breakdown winning turnovers. But he always makes those hard yards, doesn't he? It's not always spectacular. He made some big yards, but as a, you know, what I appreciated about his work rate was the willingness to knuckle down and sometimes it doesn't look spectacular. It may be just a yard over the gain line, but that is so crucial go forward, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's although it's the marginal yards really and that, like rugby is so often won and lost on just those like extra few meters and he, he's that player that is going to get you those hard yards that when you're in like the 75th minute you've got to dig deep he, he was really stepping up um you know and like like jack said like the Scot- scotland team in general and why they're so great to watch is the heart they come with they are a very very proud team um and, and it's, it's it's amazing to watch and i think like hamish watson has just embodied that um, yep. this tournament and, you know, been been absolute you know, standout asset for Scotland. Certainly one to watch from a Lions perspective. One of the great flankers in the game at the moment uh, and a great back row man who's bowing out now. A great campaign, CJ Stander from Ireland, is uh, backed away from the game. But a great career for that man. Uh, another man who was never afraid of the hard yard. Jack, your thoughts on CJ Stander and what Ireland will miss from his uh, power? Uh, CJ, I mean, with that, like, South African heritage, he's just a big ball-carrying six or eight, whatever position he's willing to play. And he's just, he like, came from wealth experience and, like, same similar to Hamish Watson, he would just put himself forward for the team. He would do all the dirty work, the hard yards, the tackles, everything just to get that result for the team. And now talking coaches, uh, again, instilling culture, uh, obviously Farrell of the Andy variety at Ireland. Uh, he's been around, obviously, great rugby league man in his playing days, but he's you know, done great things throughout his coaching career too. Uh, I think Ireland are in a, a safe pair of hands there, but it's still lots to do as they're in transition. Joe, briefly, your thoughts on what Andy Farrell as a coach offers? Well, I think you used the word in there, very safe. And I think that has been Ireland, it feels, for quite some time. They're always safe, a bit of sizzle, but n- never any bang. And Ireland really just, they, they always seem to lack that final, uh, I don't know, push to, mm. to take the grand slams to, you know, win those big games. Um, you know, I, I don't really have many criticisms of Andy. Um, you know, obviously big Saracen fan and I've loved watching him and obviously love watching Owen, Owen come through. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, it, it just feels like something about Ireland is just always a bit flat. Um, mm. And they've, they've got insane talent. You know? yeah. um, Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringrose, I think, were the, the outstanding centre partnership almost. of. Um, I, I was the, impressed by the Evergreen, another Evergreen uh, Earls again in the tournament. Again, always hungry for work, a man you can always rely on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I couldn't even tell you the time. I can't. I can't remember Keith Ells not scoring tries, and he's always he's not a, a George North type or like no. a Teddy Toma where you know you know you're going to get some absolute flair and they're going to pull someone out of the bag. But he's just got that nature about him, that ability, that sixth sense of where to be in the right time, and he he scores tries. He is a clinical winger. If you've got him outside, you 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 know he he's going That's over. It. He's Ireland's all-time second top try scorer behind BOD, the bar, Brian O'Driscoll. So that fact speaks volumes. I find manage, uh, expectation a really fascinating thing because, Joe, you made some interesting points there about kind of the Ireland's lack of uh, fizzle, maybe lack of uh, completing the deal in the total sense. But, Jack, 
you know, we were talking in kind of euphoric terms about Scotland's campaign, but Ireland finished above Scotland. Uh, they were ahead of them in points difference. They were ahead of them in the table, but for a little bit of uh, maybe a poor kick uh, against Wales, they could have had another win. So I don't think this is an Ireland team who have too far away to make that step up to bona fide world-class. Jack, your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Like, it's, they also went quite under the radar in this tournament and like, how close they were to actually being first in the tournament. And as you said, like, they, Billy Burns just missed his kick against Wales. And if he made that, Ireland, you know, who knows, could have been Six Nations winners. And like, for me, it's almost like they're, they're missing something that they can like, identify as. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got a great system, great set of players and all the ingredients are there. But it feels like they're missing something that they can set themselves apart in compared to other teams. I think, again, really appreciate your input here. Before we bring it back to the Vs, and I'm so delighted that you guys are back, um, just a quick thought on Italy. Uh, for me, they're gaining nothing from being in the Six Nations at this time. We have to go back to 2015 for their last win. They got no uh, wins in this tournament, no, not even so much as a bonus point. And I think it's becoming farcical. I don't think it's doing Italian rugby good. I don't think it's doing European rugby any good. Just briefly, Joe, your thoughts on the future of Italy, if any, within the Six Nations? I, th- I think Italy need to regain some pride. Um, you saw it in like Paris saying, obviously losing him has yeah. like been massive, but it seems like no one wants to play for that Italian shirt. Their team is almost made up of players who couldn't make it into their own national team. Yeah. Half, half of them are like Kiwi rejects or whatnot. Um, I, I would love to see Georgia in the Six Nations. Absolutely. Italy at the moment. Georgia, whenever, whenever I've seen them play, they have heart. And, mm. you know, they're exciting to, to watch because they're physical and, you know, they, they want to be there. Italy just, they, they just seem a bit lost at the moment. And they, they need some real restructuring if, they, if they're ever going to, you know, come up. You know, we've seen Scotland come along in the last 10 years yep. and Italy just haven't. Um, I'd love to see it. Obviously, from the sake of like competitive rugby, you want mm-hmm. everyone to have an equal chance of winning. You want each Six Nations to be a roll of the dice. But Italy just aren't really providing any much more than fodder and you get to watch a bit of champagne rugby against them. There were flashes. They did try and all that and they scored some good tries. But, you know, again, conceding 184 points across the tournament speaks volumes. But uh, that's that. But right here, right now, um, setting aside the Six Nations past, in our here and now, the Vs are back, back in action. Where do you guys train and where can we go for more information, Jack? So we train at, down at Cotlandswick um, by the big St. Albans round about opposite the Ailes Centre. And we have weekly midweek training to the seniors and juniors on a Wednesday, uh, Thursday, excuse me. And then we've got our minis and juniors once again on Sundays, when that's all the way from under sevens all the way up to Colts, which is under 18s. I just love that because it is the grassroots that breeds the future first teamers, isn't it? And you are case in point, Jack. Uh, fantastic. Joe, what is the website? Yeah, um, so you can visit our website for more information, which is um, verilamians.club, um, and that'll take you straight to it. Or you can uh, just simply pop into Google Verilamians RFC, um, and we should be the top results. Hey, fantastic. Um, yeah. And I know, obviously, a big recruitment drive at this moment in time. If people are listening, want to either dip their toe into rugby union for the first time, again, maybe a, a, as young as uh, six, right through to uh, first team, second team, and I'm sure building uh, up the levels as we develop. 
again, your final words of encouragement about the wonderful family-orientated but focused on success club that is the Verulaniums. Jack. All right, well, I mean, where to start? As a British grassroots club, we're just all about getting as many people involved in rugby first and foremost and just mm-hmm. everyone getting out because it's just such a good sport to yeah. build a great community and Verulamians are all about that and especially with this the, the whole circumstances over the past year, we're all about getting as many new people, uh, old and returning, just back involved in rugby. Absolutely love that and we are here to support you throughout the campaign. Joe, in closing, remind us of the best way that we can learn more about the Verulamians. Yes, the best way to learn more would probably be to follow us um, on the social medias. Um, so on Twitter um, and Instagram, the handle is at VeralamiansRFC. Um, yep, you'll be able to find us there. We've also got a Facebook page, although it's not as active. Um, same thing, just search Veralamians RFC. Um, it's a picture of a little teddy um, and you can follow us along there. Um, but yeah, we'll be posting throughout the season all the results um, covering all the age groups. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out as well to us on there if you want any more info. Um, I myself manage it, so you'll just be talking directly to me. Um, hopefully I haven't put anyone off talking to me. <laughs> hey, listen, I love your style. I really do appreciate And it's been great to dissect the Six Nations. I appreciate both of your rugby acumen. And it's been a real joy to uh, get to know you. I'm excited to help cover and uh, provide a platform for the Vs throughout the season. But for here and now, Jack Hegarty, Joe Breeze, thank you for joining me on Verum Sports Podcasting. Thank you very much. much. It's a pleasure, Tony.